Welcome back to Basic Brain Heart, the show where we celebrate and interrogate creatives of all stripes. I'm Hannah Camacho. Well, it's been a little while, a couple of weeks, and um, I am so excited that today's interview, we actually got to do it in person, which is pretty rare for this show, just because I don't live um, in LA or New York City, and so oftentimes we do things long distance. So it was a pleasant surprise to be able to sit down with today's guest, who is filmmaker and academic, uh, Vanessa Newell. She was so lovely. I actually sort of stumbled on her work by accident. I was at the Spokane International Film Festival with a good friend of mine, and um, we were so pleasantly surprised by all the films there, but especially Vanessa's. It was just really fun. It had a great mix of spooky and uh, cheeky humor and was just a really good time. And I just wanted to know who made this movie. And luckily there was a Q&A session and Vanessa was up on stage. And I really appreciated the input she had as audience members asked questions. And I just thought I really would love to have Vanessa on the show to hear a little bit more about her journey as she teaches film by day in LA. And then she makes films on the side as she has time and is a really passionate filmmaker and is really, really a champion for uh, female directors in the biz. So I'm really, really so grateful she could spare a few minutes to chat with me and share not only about her own journey, but also the tidbits that she passes on to her students and those she works with. So without further ado, here is my interview with writer, director, editor, and film professor, Vanessa Newell. Vanessa, I'm really excited to connect with you. I unexpectedly went to the Spokane um, International Film Festival. I was very pleasantly surprised by the caliber of films that showed that night. Yeah, no, I was impressed too. I yeah. Was some really great stuff. There. It was a good mix. There yeah. was some great little documentaries and um, and I really enjoyed yours. And I remember my friend and I, after we saw Bull Mountain, we looked at each other and we thought that was the best one. <laughs> we, we're going to vote for that one. Um, and I started kind of just looking into you and your background and, and thought, wow, this is such an interesting woman. And when you were up on stage and there was a little bit of Q&A, I just really appreciated what you had to say in terms of encouraging people to make things mm-hmm. regardless of the tools they have. Just use what you have. Don't wait for permission to make it. Um, and so I'm really excited that you've been gracious enough to take the time to, to chat today. But before we jump into your backstory, would you like to talk a little bit about the good news you received today and just kind of what you're up to these days in general? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I was, you know, I was excited to, to hear from you and, and I'm glad you like my movie. Um, so I, the good news that I got today was that uh, my film, my short film, Bull Mountain Lookout, um, actually won the jury award for awesome. uh, best narrative at the, um, in the Best of the Northwest category that's so, so cool. that's exciting news I love it now what are what do you do what's your day job these days and what are you kind of focused on when you're not creating films short films well I teach film and uh, film production and some gender and film studies classes at Loyola Marymount University and um, I you know I still consider I'm talking about film all day long mm-hmm. and I'm making films mm-hmm. so um, you're a filmmaker, yeah, 24-7. Yeah, I mean, I, so I don't really think of it as a day job, but at totally. times it is because sometimes it's frustrating when I'm busy with, you know, teaching and mm. the uh, demands of that job and, and 
and not focused on my own work. Mm. And it gets frustrating sometimes when, you know, I'm, I'm helping everybody else make their movie when I know I should be working on my movie too. Totally. So, but so it's you, still fun. Yeah, you look at films from both an academic and an art perspective. Right. And I look forward to kind of diving into that and what has drawn you to both and teaching, because you mm-hmm. obviously enjoy teaching. That'll be really interesting uh, to learn as well. But before we jump into more of kind of what you do today and maybe some more philosophical questions around what you do, I'd love to hear a little bit about your backstory, kind of where you grew up, when you started to have some creative interests, those types of things. Okay. Well, I grew up in San Jose, California, and uh, I always knew I was creative. I was always drawing or writing a story or, you know, some sort of painting. Uh, my mom was also very creative, so she kind of inspired me. She was always making something. Um, my father was an engineer, and uh, together they would design, and you know, she would design it, and he would make it. So I did have, you know, a pretty good inspiration on, on making stuff. And, and I like that you say that, because that's kind of my motto on my, my website, too, is mm-hmm. make stuff. It doesn't matter what it that's is. Awesome. Just, you know, make Just stuff. Do it. And so um, I ended up studying uh, graphic design in college and then discovered that I actually liked fine art. Mm. Um, I was thinking more that you know, graphic design would be a way to bridge uh, having a job, making money, and doing art. But then as I started taking the fine art classes, I was like, wow, this is it. So I ma- majored in painting and minored in art history. And then uh, I took a video art class which is what they called it back then um and i had a my my teacher he told me he looked at some of my work and he was like you know what you got to go to film school Hmm. and up until that point it was pretty invisible at college i didn't really have any mentors or any counselors or anybody helping me along and so it was really kind of nice that somebody paid attention to me and said, hey, you've got some talent. Yeah. So I, you know, I recognized that things were working much better than statically with the painting. So that in, you know, the movement of the imagery plus the sound kind of really was uh, sort of a magical force for me. And so I applied to film school and I got into um, grad school at USC and kind of got into film from there. That's really cool. I love that someone helped you recognize what you loved because I think especially at that age, you're, you're trying to figure out what do I want to do? What am I supposed to do? What's practical? <laughs> Maybe what's impractical? And I think that having that outside perspective is really helpful. And, you, and obviously you consider that a little bit of a pivotal moment, someone else yeah. sort of helping to steer you and paying attention to you. Is that... Um, something that you, I'm sure, get to do these days as you're helping um, the next generation sort of see what where their um, strengths lie and, and, and also shaping them as storytellers. Do you kind of see it as paying it forward at all? I Yeah, I, I do. I hope I have some influence, sure some have. positive influence on my students. Um, since they are majoring already in film before mm. they, you know, really get to my classes, kind of they're kind of already me. passionate. Absolutely. They're they're already, you know, they've already given themselves permission to pursue 100%. this. So I, I think more of, you know, I'm kind of helping them along. Totally. Um, but I do hope I inspire, particularly women filmmakers, mm. that you know, you just you got to have the dream. Get and out you got to pursue it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So once you um, wrapped up your studies. 
Um, what did you, because that's a pivotal moment too, you know, you're in college and you think things might work out a certain way. I, I studied education and I ended up not going into education. So um, I remember being surprised by that, like, oh, my life took an unexpected mm-hmm. turn um, due to just circumstances that were beyond my control. Um, did you know right out of school um, what you wanted to do in terms of I'm going to both teach film and make films on the side? Or what did the journey sort of look like for you after you were done with higher education? So when I finished uh, film school at USC, grad, the grad program there, um, you know, I was totally broke and <laughs> looking for work. And <laughs> I had done a lot of editing while I was in school. Mm-hmm. And so I just started, um, picked up some editing gigs and um, just, you know, just kind of went from there. And one job led to another and worked primarily in what I call schlock docs, you know, things that you might see on Bravo or the Discovery Channel. Oh so they're not the highbrow Al Gore <laughs> type, you know, ex, you know exploratory um, image, uh, or not image, um, issue related documentaries but um but you know kind of schlocky stuff good yeah but good experience you know I had fun doing it and I you know I cut some independent features and I continued to edit some shorts and tried to um you know I did a little bit of my own short films but really tried to write a feature and get that off the ground Mm. and that kind of was a lot harder than you know especially back then Mm. in you know before dslr cameras and um the final cut pro had just come out but you know it was still a lot harder to um to make films no much more uh, expensive no doubt and i'm sure in film school you got a really well-rounded education in terms of there's so much to do when you make a film i mean if you're going to be the cinematographer and the director and the writer and you know Location scouting, um, as I'm sure you really yeah. are a, a jack of all trades yeah. because you make your own films. Did you feel that film school truly did at least get you ready to tackle all of those separate areas? Um, and I'm sure there was also a learning curve, but do you feel like that was the right choice? Or do you feel like there was also a lot of learning to do after that in order to be ready to make a short film? Well, no, I think it, I think it was for me it was the right choice. Totally. I mean, they, they really helped kind of develop my storytelling skills and, Absolutely. and with the production workflow and all that and also gave me confidence and mm-hmm. I think I really I'm you know some people just need to go out and do stuff other people need <laughs> a little more guidance to get that confidence Absolutely. um now I have all the confidence I need um <laughs> but uh yeah and but again it was tougher technology wise it was tougher to make a film Absolutely. back then so it's a different and yeah. you know nowadays people are making films in sixth grade, right? They're doing presentations, they're doing graded assignments in history on, you know, with, with a short video. So um, I didn't have any of that. I didn't get that Absolutely. until. So it was I, really, really crucial yeah. to have that training. Yeah. That's so, cool. It's really lucky for, you know, young people today to be making films. Totally. Because they're getting that training in middle school and Absolutely. high school and on up. Something I can identify already in your story, uh, identify with, I should say, is that it sounds like you have many creative passions. You yeah. aren't totally zoned in on you know one thing, like just writing or um, just this or just that. You, you have many, a broad spectrum of interests and expertise. Um, did you ever find that that was hard? I, I'll just share a little bit personally. I sometimes find I get frustrated by that because I, I want to be good at something. Yeah. 
but I'm so um, distractible in terms of, well, I'm going to learn a little bit more about this tool today or this tool today. And then um, I haven't become great at something. Um, I'm just okay at a lot of different things. Is that ever something that you have um, struggled with or has that actually served you really well as an independent filmmaker? I think you do as an indie filmmaker, you, you really have to know a lot about everything. everything. So I haven't had that, you know, much of a problem in terms of that. Although I wish I could write more. Mm. Um, I, I'm, I'm feeling like, you know, I had a writing partner that, you know, I wish we were still writing together. He's, mm. he's working on other things, but, um, so I'm really having to turn back to writing my own stuff. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I write, I direct, I edit, I produce. Um, I can hold a boom. <laughs> you can do it all. I can record sound <laughs> if I have to. Um, but, yeah, and that's a good thing. But am I an expert in any of the areas? I, I think I'm pretty well-rounded. Yeah, I, you know, absolutely. I mean, I think what I want to do is direct. Mm. I, I'm, I'm glad that's I know about, happiest. yeah. I, I'm glad I know about, know everything well. Um Although I don't know how to shoot. I'm not really interested in shooting. I know where to put the camera and I know which lens to use, but I'm yep. not interested in the buttons. <laughs> and I'm not interested in setting up lights. That's fair. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, but yeah, directing is, is my passion. That's cool. And I, and I can already tell, I mean, you're obviously very passionate about women filmmakers. I'd love to talk about that a little bit. Um, the podcast is actually a podcast partner of women in animation specifically, right. but... Um, I also really respect and admire women filmmakers, live action, et cetera. Um, I'd love to hear your take on both the psychological reasons and the sociological reasons that women just don't direct um, and they end up in a lot of those assistive roles um, as producers. And you're certainly an expert on that. Um, but I, do, I would just love to hear you speak to anything that you are particularly passionate about or, or enjoy speaking about along those lines. Well, you know, it's funny you asked that question about women directing. Is um, last night um, I was in Los Angeles and uh, I went to the Hammer Museum and the UCLA Archives um, does a lot of fabulous uh, series screenings there, and they're doing one this month about uh, women directors from the '70s and the '80s. Now it's kind of unheard of. Like, who knows yeah. of any? You know, other than uh, Barbara Loden who directed Wanda, it seems like nobody else. Is named as a, a female director in the 70s. Maybe a little bit in the 80s you could you could call somebody That's up. crazy. But so I saw a screening with uh, of Stephanie Rothman's films. She started off with Roger Corman. She did, um, uh, she directed seven movies um, in the late 60s and early 70s. Um, mostly in the exploitation genres, but fantastic work. Uh, she, we, they looked at, uh, they screened her film, um, Terminal Island and The Velvet Vampire. Both were just phenomenal. And I just, you know, I left the screening and I was just going to go to the first one because it was, you know, it was getting late for the second one. Mm. You get old and you're like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't make a double feature. But the second one was so good. I couldn't leave, you know. And as I was leaving, I texted my, my husband um, and I was like, it is so sad that we've ingrained in society that women can't direct mm. or we haven't allowed them to direct. And I look at these works and I think 
this is phenomenal. You know, I mean, they are they are exploitation films. They are of the time of the seventies. But even with a low budget, I mean, the camera movement, mm-hmm. the even the performances, the writing and the direction. It just it's just so sad that this narrative has been constructed and maintained mm. that women really aren't fit to direct. And so many of us that are directing now know that's not true. Mm. And Hollywood is starting to wake up mm-hmm. and we've been saying that for I don't know the last 10 or 15 years we've been you know making Absolutely. an issue of it but it's still we still haven't really progressed totally and you talked a little bit about confidence and how you felt like in the beginning that was something that you needed a little bit of a boost on um, which I think a lot of women and men could yeah. potentially relate to um, what do you see in women today who are studying to become filmmakers or who are maybe getting their feet wet what is helping them to gain the confidence they need to take that step or try to take that step? Obviously, they can't control other people's reactions and who wants to put budget behind what story, right. um, depending on who's directing it. Um, but what do you see women today getting a lot of inspiration from in terms of building their confidence? You know, I think television right now is just... It's just such a great inspiration. Mm. Having role models. I mean, there are a few female directors. You know, you could say Ava, Ava DuVernay. You could say Kathleen Bigelow. But, I mean, there, there's there's so few that, mm-hmm. you know, have a, the big name. Um, a lot of indie uh, women directors. But TV is just exploding. And you've got um, Jill Soloway, so you know, and trans, uh, the Transparent series. You've, mm-hmm. There's so many that series out there now where showrunners yeah yeah that showrunners that are hiring women to direct and i think that role model that narrative out there that you can do this is Mm. so important but are there any um shows that you're particularly really vibing on these days really finding inspiration from or just binging because you like them i love glow yeah. Have you seen um, Killing Eve at all? Yes, just finished okay. that. That's okay. pretty amazing. I'm binging it right now. I'm really liking that one. Yeah. It's good. Um, so yeah. much good stuff out there. It's almost hard to keep up with everything. Yeah. Are you a Game of Thrones fan? Yes, oh, big Game of Frank Thrones fan. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you prefer to spend your free time reading versus watching um, television or movies? I would imagine you would really enjoy watching television, movies, etc. But do, are you a big reader? You know, I used to be, and I, 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 I watch films more than I read scripts. And I that think, makes sense. But I, I tell you what I do read now is um, feminist film theory and a lot of uh, gender and media kind of academic stuff. I'm, I'm reading up a lot on uh, comedy theories and... Um, uh, or theories on comedy and um, uh, women in prison films. And particularly, oh, wow. I'm interested, I'm doing a, a, a segment in one of the classes I'm teaching um, about law, justice, and women and the representation on film. And I'm using um, uh, Orange is the New Black, uh, one of the episodes on there. I haven't picked the episode yet, but I've started That's reading. It's going to be a hard one. Yeah, and there are a lot of books oh, right changing. now yeah. with a lot of... Um, articles on that series mm. and I like that one a lot too. that's a good one I dig it um so as you uh, work with students obviously a lot um I'm guessing you probably um your role involves looking over scripts mm-hmm. and who knows what else other types of materials they're producing what is a common um 
maybe mistake is the wrong word, but something that you see a lot of students doing that you end up needing to sort of redirect them, whether they're male or female, um, or especially female, I don't know, whatever you want to speak to, something that you commonly have to sort of help them adjust a little bit. I have no idea what the answer might be to that question, but is there something that you can think of that meets that criteria? Yeah, I think paying attention to audience is important. Mm. Um, uh, but one kind of one thing that really stands out is a lot of times you see student films um, that are tragedies. You know, I think people are afraid to have, you know, kind of a positive resolution because they they tend to think that oh it's just some pat resolution and you know life's like not like that. And not that you have to have make a movie that has to have a happy ending, mm. but I really think there should be some sense of hope, right? And a lot of times you'll read s- student scripts, and, <laughs> and they'll be like, oh my God, I want to slit my wrists now that I've, I've either watched this film or I've read yes, the script. And it's, it's really dark. So, I mean, not to say you can't do that, but sure. I, think, I think you can resonate with more people if there is a sense of uh, hope. Yes. If you can say, look, you can expose this thing, explode it open, and give a sense that things could be better, you know, if, if this issue is treated differently, or if this choice was made differently, or maybe this bad thing happened, but actually something good is going to come from mm. it, you know, or a Absolutely. sense of something good. I and that's why that. I say a sense of hope, just, you know, so I, I would, and maybe that's just a personal preference. Maybe no, people I love like, that. You need something, yeah, something to hold need, on yeah, to. Why do you exactly. want to keep going otherwise? That's really, <laughs> yeah. I, that's actually not a point I've heard anyone make so far with that question. So I appreciate that. And sometimes it gets, you know, it gets kind of pedantic and um, almost like mm, a parable. Yep, like, yep. you know, do these terrible things and these terrible things are going to happen to you. And I think there's, I think there's, um, more elegant ways to say that. Mm. I mean, Bull Mountain Lookout, my short film, Absolutely. is um, doesn't necessarily have a happy ending. True, but yeah. you know, I'm talking about hubris, and it's humorous, mm-hmm. and um, you know, maybe we should listen to each other a little better, and we might survive <laughs> this crazy upside down world that we're living in. Right? I love it. Speaking of Bull Mountain, I'd love to hear the story of making Bull Mountain. Just what. I've heard a little bit of it at the film festival, but mm-hmm. if you wouldn't mind taking us through what got you interested in the story, did you um, come up with a story or did you work with someone on it? And then just kind of the journey of making that, whatever you want to share, I'd love to hear it. Sure. So Bull Mountain Lookout is a short horror comedy and um, I made it uh, with, uh, well, we wrote it together, me and my um, writing partner, Brennan. He actually wrote uh the original draft, and um, it was um, all men, all male characters, and uh, it kind of hints to some sort of monster that's living in the woods, and it's that sort of campfire tale, and um, I really love the script. He's so good with dialogue, and um, he showed it to me like five or six years ago, and I always loved the script, and and, but there was something about it that I couldn't put my finger on that... Um, part of it, it takes place at a fire lookout, which I didn't quite know how I would access or if mm. I had to build it on stage. It sounded like it was going to be rather expensive. But anyway, so I, I worked on some other projects um, over the last five years, and then um, I was itching to do something 
new. So I pulled up the script again and I read it and I said, you know what? I still love this script. And, you know, I talked to Brennan. I said, let's, let's kind of work on this a little bit more and develop it further. And he said, you know, I'm kind of busy doing some other stuff right now. He also works in the film industry. So I said, okay, give it to me. Let me, let me do something to it. So I changed the genders of all the characters. And I think that really gave it something for me to connect with. And I also think it elevated the story. I would agree. Um, so we changed the, there was, there's a forest ranger was a guy. Now it's a woman. Um, and it takes place with, uh, was a boy scout troop and now a girl scout troop and a girl scout troop leader. So did that. And that kind of changed it a lot. And then I, I put this interesting twist at the end which I won't tell you what it is. You'll have to watch the movie. But, um, <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so worked on that and kind of uh, developed it a little further and then um, just started casting and uh, seeing how I could uh, make that thing. How do you know when you are working on a script? How do you know it's ready? How do you know you're ready to go with it? Well, being that I teach... I True. typically t- you've got uh, a little bit of a leg up. Yeah, I have. I, what are, like is it is it a gut feeling? Is it these ducks are in a row? What what is it? For well, you? I have my summers off, so I can shoot in the summer. So I that was works. working on it in February or March, and I knew I needed to shoot it by June, June or July, and um, so that was my deadline. And whatever I had, I was going to shoot. But I did get a sense, yeah, at some point that you know once I made those changes. Uh, those two major changes, um, it still was a little bit long and there was still some uh, elements that were going to be difficult to to shoot. Like there was a raccoon in there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I did work with another friend who helped me, um, Allison. She helped me cut it down and bring it to a better length and take out the raccoon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. Which I would have loved to keep the raccoon in, but I wasn't, yeah. We're able to with budget. Something that I really appreciated you mentioning at the film festival was um, you talked a little bit about how you um, the the soundtrack for uh, the film came about. Would you like to speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, you know, at, at the film festival, gosh, I don't know how that subject came up, but we talked about you know making stuff and having access to people to help you make mm. stuff because it's not a solo sport making films. And um, I'd mentioned. Um, Richard Band, he's a composer, uh, I think a, quite a famous composer. He uh, scored a lot of horror films in the 80s. He did Reanimator, he did the Puppet Master series. Um, his father and his brother, um, uh, Charlie Band, and um, oh gosh, I forget, his, I forget the other Band brother's name. Um, they were producers and they made a lot of films, horror films in the 80s. And so I always loved his music and I contacted him and I, I said, hey, you know, what are you doing? And would you be interested in reading a script and possibly scoring it? So I sent him the script and he liked it and he, he wasn't busy at the moment. So um, it's, it's a miracle. I love yes. it. That's really cool. Yeah. And I I think that um, a lot of, especially um, budding filmmakers or people who are interested in the process, they may not have that experience, but there is that sense of fear of even asking for help or breaking outside what might be their core group. But it can't hurt to ask. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool story. Um, and you can look anybody up now on that's the internet, true. right? There's all kinds of stuff out there. In fact, you know, I had some drone shots 
um, of the Fire Lookout, and um, I kind of came across them on the internet. Uh, a guy that goes camping and shoots these gorgeous shots, and um, he put up, you know, put them together on YouTube, and I found him, and I contacted him, and I said, "Hey, I have a couple hundred bucks. Can I use a couple of your shots?" in my movie and he said sure and you know I wrote him a check and sent it off and he thanked me he said this will help me pay for my next drone you know unit so you know everybody that's everybody really benefits cool. that's really cool and since you you do get to talk to young filmmakers quite a lot I would imagine you kind of have some go-to points that you like to hit especially when people find out that you teach film and you make films what are the things that you usually share with young budding filmmakers, or maybe they're not young, just budding filmmakers in general, they could be any age. What are the things that you tend to hit on um, when you're asked for advice about getting started? Um, just do it, you know. Just the more, more you practice, the more films you make, the better you're gonna get. And uh, maybe, you know, your third film isn't better than your second film and that's okay but your fourth film will be better than your third film and your second films and, and it just sort of practice just get on set see how other people do it and uh, be willing to take risks it's scary but you know and you know what's really scary is being an academic and teaching film and then having a set and running a set and having your students be on there and then watching you it's like okay oh man here's here's the moment of truth you know (laughs) am I going to completely screw this up after I've been telling them to do all this other stuff Mm. Um, no but it usually turns out well and it's it's, I bet it's a good bonding experience yeah Yeah. no kidding oh that's fascinating well I don't want to take up too much more of your time but before we kind of wrap this up is there anything you'd like to plug where can people find Bull Mountain Lookout your website, anything you'd like to direct people to take a look at? Well, um, currently on the festival circuit with Bull Mountain Lookout, so it's not online and it won't be online for a while. Um, I got my next film festival, which is in LA, the First Glance Film Festival, and that's March 16th. Um, Oh, and I have another film festival before that, March 8th. Um, It'll be in Maryland at the Ocean City Film Festival. And um, just you know, waiting to hear back from a bunch of other festivals. And you can look up uh, the Facebook page for the film. It's Bull Mountain Lookout. And um, you can also go to my website, which is vanessanewell.com. Awesome. We'll share the links up in the description so people can easily find those. But Vanessa, I so appreciate your time. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome.